Well, good morning, church. Thank you again for joining us online or listening to our podcast on this Palm Sunday weekend. We are in a time of uncertainty, aren't we? And what we often take for granted, the ability to gather together in worship in our building on the weekend has been disrupted. But there is understandable concern about the spread of the coronavirus. And we want to assure you that our staff is adjusting to the current circumstances that we are all faced with during this unprecedented time. We are committed to doing all that we can to minister to your needs and concerns with the restrictions that are placed upon us. I hope that you are staying well. With all in the information moving so quickly, we are doing our best to keep you informed and to reach out and touch base with some in our congregation and even share resources that you can use at home. I also want you to know that despite our building being closed to all the activities during the week except the food pantry, we still have bills to pay. Many of the costs of the church continue whether our building is open to the public or not. So I would encourage you to give as you regularly do. You can give online or by text or by check, but we need your support to continue if we are going to come out of this time in a healthy position. I want to also remind you that we uh, will be posting a message for Good Friday, which has always been a meaningful part of our Holy Week observance here at Redeemer. And then, of course, we'll have a message recorded for Easter Sunday as well. For the foreseeable future, this is the way we're able to worship. So let's make the best of it. There will be some good things that come out of this time, whether uh, we're forced to slow down or look at life a little differently. So invite others to connect with us. Share our website. Invite someone else to have the gift of hearing the good news at Easter. The message for this Palm Sunday is entitled, A Prayer for Unity. And I'm using as our text the New Testament Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 26. John, chapter 17, 1 through 26. For Christ followers, Palm Sunday is kind of a celebration. We remember the day Jesus entered into Jerusalem to the cheers and supported the common people some who had been his followers. And we picture it as a parade with people lying down palm branches and coats in front of Jesus as he rode into town on a donkey. We also remember the statement that Jesus made by riding that donkey. He was coming to be the Messiah. He was coming to be the leader with a humble servant's heart, not a conquering general's hand. It was a joyous day for the people who gathered there, but it was also a day of deep emotion for Jesus because he knew that this was the beginning of the end. This was his final week, and it all started on the Mount of Olives, a place where he could literally see everything. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he would have been able to see the temple and the busyness of the city. He would have also seen people coming and going, getting ready for Passover. He would have seen lots of lambs, as it was the day people selected their lambs for the Passover. Jesus would have seen the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, he might have actually walked through it. And he might have even seen Golgotha or Calvary, because it wasn't that far out of the city. In fact, I wonder if there had, might have already been a cross set up 
or the beginnings of a cross because the Romans knew that executions were coming. Jesus not only saw all of this and what was waiting for him, he could see what was coming for his disciples. Jesus could see the challenges that they would face on the day of his arrest and trial and crucifixion. And he could see the challenges that they would face far into the future. And this was his final week with the disciples, and Jesus is concerned for them. And so he takes time to pray for them. And it is from this prayer of Jesus that we not only see Jesus' concern for his followers, but his plan for them to survive and succeed in the world. In John chapter 17, we have Jesus' final prayer. Because it was recorded, it must have been audible. Jesus prayed out loud with his disciples as a way to encourage them and to teach them. And this prayer is broken into three sections. First, Jesus prays for himself in verses 1 through 5. Hear John's words. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you have for me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we have shared before the world began. Now, to understand what Jesus is saying here, we need to think about where Jesus is praying. At the end of John chapter 14, Jesus and his disciples leave the upper room, and in John chapter 18, they arrive in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so the teaching and the prayers found in John 15 and 16 and 17 would have taken place somewhere along the way. And what was between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane was the temple and its courtyards. So Jesus is asking God to glorify him and complete his mission while standing close to the place where sacrifices were offered to God. Jesus is praying for God to glorify him in a place where lambs had just been offered for Passover. When Jesus prays for himself, it is for the strength to follow through with the mission that God has for him and to be the perfect lamb of God whose sacrificial death would take away the sin of the world. Jesus prays for the strength and the power to accomplish his purpose and to die on the cross, which will, would both glorify God and redeem the world. I wonder sometimes if we could pray such a prayer. Can, can we pray for God's purpose to be fulfilled in our lives, even if it means knowing that we would suffer? Jesus understood that his purpose was to glorify God and that the glory would come through the cross and an empty tomb. And so Jesus prays for the strength and the power to be glorified. Now secondly, Jesus then prays for his disciples in verses 6 through 19. Here's what John says. I have revealed to you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you and I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those who have given me 
you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one would be lost, except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was here with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Now this part of the prayer shows us three main concerns that Jesus had for his disciples. And the first is that they would be protected. While he was with them, Jesus could protect his followers from the evil one and keep them from moving and keep them moving forward in faith. Jesus could teach them, he could encourage them, he could correct them and love them in ways that would keep them safe and keep them growing. But once he was gone, they would be vulnerable to all kinds of attacks. And so Jesus asked God to protect his followers. Look at verses 12 and 15. It's important to see that Jesus doesn't ask God to spare his disciples from evil. He doesn't want them to be taken out of this world where no evil can harm them. He just wants them to be protected in some way when the evil comes. Jesus knows that evil will come. He knows that persecution and suffering is going to come and he doesn't ask God to remove it just to protect the disciples and their faith through it. Now this prayer teaches us that we won't be spared evil in this world. And as Christians, we might have to face some hostility, even some persecution. In fact, we might need to expect some trials, some hardships, because the evil one in this world is always working against God and God's people. And we won't always be spared, but we can trust God to protect us so that we will survive and even thrive. God can actually strengthen our faith and grow the church through times of suffering. So while we can't avoid all suffering, we can certainly ask God to protect us through it. The second thing that Jesus prays for his disciples is to hold on to God's word, teaching and the teaching that he has given them. Verses 14 and 15, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I did not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Now remember that the purpose of Jesus in this world was to share the word of God because he believes that it would be God's word that would bring power. Jesus wants the disciples to hold on to that word. He wants them to embrace it and to know it and to study it and most of all live it out so that they could experience God's power. 
The final prayer of Jesus reminds us once again just how important God's word is for our lives and our faith and our church and even the future. We need to embrace it, we need to study it, and most of all, we need to live it out. But the third thing Jesus prays for the disciples is to be sanctified or made holy. And this happens by the word Jesus has given them and by his own life and death. Verses 17 through 19 remind us that the word of God helps make these disciples holy as they live it out. But it is also Jesus who helps make them holy by his own willingness to be fully obedient to God. And again, remember where Jesus is when he's praying. He might be in the courtyard of the temple, the very place where sacrifices were offered to God to make people holy. So when Jesus says he wants to sanctify himself so that we can be sanctified, he is saying that it is his death that will make his followers holy and it is. While we need to strive to be faithful and obedient to the word of God, what makes us holy is not our own actions or obedience, but the grace and the power of God. It is Jesus' death on the cross that paid the price for our sin, and God accepts this sacrifice as an offering for us so that we can be forgiven. It was the blood of a sacrifice offered to God that made people holy. And it is Jesus' blood that makes us holy. When we trust in what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and we are made clean. And Jesus prayers that we would accept the way of holiness by accepting what he has done for us on the cross. This is the foundation of our faith. We are made holy and acceptable to God when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior which means trusting that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for us. And when we accept that Jesus died our death and that God forgives us through his death, it brings us new life. If we are willing to accept this through faith and through prayer, Jesus is our savior and the door is open for us to have a dynamic and a personal and an eternal relationship with the living God. The prayer that opens the door to eternal life is accepting Jesus as our personal Savior and placing our full trust in the grace that is ours through the cross. So Jesus' prayer was that the disciples would be protected from the evil one, embrace the word of God, and be made holy by the death of Jesus on the cross. But that prayer doesn't, the prayer doesn't end there. Jesus not only prayed for himself and his disciples, he was praying for us as well. And this is our third point. Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and he could also see us and the church in the future. And so his prayer was for us as well. Look at verses 20 through 26. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who would ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to 
to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, our world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. And then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Here we see two main concerns that Jesus has for his church. And the first is that we would be unified. Unity was important to Jesus because he believed that it would be our unity that would reveal God's presence and power and love to the world. It takes God's power and a willingness to work for peace to keep the church together. But our unity also reveals the reality of God's love because it takes a lot of love, God's love, to keep the church together. The one thing that holds any group of people together over the long haul is love. And while laws and values and morals and even physical force can hold people together and nations together from the outside, it is love that holds people and communities together from the inside. And when we love God more, we will automatically love others more. And when we love others more, we will be united. It's like the spokes of a wheel. God is in the center. And as we love God more and move closer to him, we grow closer to one another. We are unified and we grow stronger. So unity and connection were important to Jesus because he experienced the power of that connection in his relationship with God. Jesus and the Father were one. And the unity of that relationship gave Jesus strength and peace and purpose. Being one with God gave Jesus everything and made his life complete. And Jesus wants this kind of unity and connection for us. Over and over, Jesus taught about how we needed to love God and love others, and that it would be this life of love that would bring in God's kingdom. So the final prayer was that we would become one by loving God more. I have to say that I believe it's this kind of love that has helped Redeemer Church grow over the years and bring glory to God. There is a spirit of love and unity in this place that in my experience is unique among churches. When many churches want to fight over all the little things, this church works together for the big things. And while we aren't perfect and have to constantly work on loving God more so that we can love each other more, there is an amazing spirit of Jesus here in this place. And his prayer for us would be to keep on working on that love and unity and preserve it in every way we can. The last part of this prayer of Jesus found in John's gospel is verse 24. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am, and then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Jesus wants us to be with him forever. Jesus wants us to see the glory of God and experience the eternal life and love that God has to offer us. Knowing that the time was coming when Jesus would leave this world and go back to the Father, he wanted his disciples and he wanted the world to be with him and the Father as well. It is this passion, it is this desire for all the world to know God's love and glory that drives Jesus through the next few hours of his life. 
And again, Jesus knew it would be through his death that we would be able to see God's glory and enter into God's kingdom. Jesus knew it would be through his obedience to God on the cross that we would be forgiven and reconciled and have the opportunity to enter into an eternal relationship with God. And so he prays for this to happen. Jesus prays for the strength to fulfill his purpose so that the church can fulfill its purpose, which is to be united in love so that people can see God's glory and also enter into God's kingdom. We need to make this final prayer of Jesus our prayer. We need to ask God to use us in ways that will help the world to see Jesus and to experience the love of God, even if it means our own suffering and sacrifice. And that is our purpose, and that is the purpose of the church, that we would live a faithful life, that we would not only help us to see God's glory, but would be able to draw more people to God. So Jesus' final prayer teaches us that we can fulfill our promise, our, our purpose in life by embracing God's word, by accepting the work of Jesus on the cross for ourselves, and by maintaining unity by loving God and loving each other. So may this final prayer of Jesus guide the living of our lives, not just during this holy week, but every week. Let's pray. Father, you are the God of love. And when we look at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that love poured out for us. What remarkable love that is, love that will not let us go, love that pursues us despite our pushing you away, love that never gives up, relentless in its pursuit until we yield broken and melted by your love. This is the nature and character of the love that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. It is this remarkable thing that the world waits to see in Christ's followers. It is the absence of this, Father, that makes them turn away from our doors, uninterested, disappointed. So, Lord, teach us to love one another. Whatever this may mean in terms of our personal circumstances, teach us, Father, to love one another. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.